Welcome to the Global Recon Podcast. Here are your hosts, John from Global Recon and Mike from Fieldcraft LLC, giving you the matter of facts. Welcome to the Global Recon Podcast. I'm your host, John Hendricks. Uh, the co-host of the show, Mike Glover, was unable to make it on for today's episode as he's been pretty busy the last couple of weeks. Uh, we both have, actually, and uh, we're working on some things that we will discuss in future episodes and social media posts, so just be on the lookout for updates. But on this episode, I have Chuck Ritter, and Chuck is the first sergeant at the Special Forces Senior Leader Course at Fort Bragg. Uh, he's prior infantry experience. He has 12 and a half years on Special Forces teams with nine combat deployments. Uh, he has three Purple Hearts, uh, one IED in 2008. He was shot three times in 2013 and was shot once in the hand in 2014. So Chuck has uh, a lot of experience uh, throughout his military career. But before we get into that, I just want to discuss briefly with you guys uh a u.s navy seal was killed in iraq um uh, by the name of uh charles keating the fourth um so what, what's being said is that there were u.s advisors uh embedded with a peshmerga a, a kurdish military unit and w what happened essentially was isis launched an attack onto these Kurdish positions uh, using suicide vehicles, like basically like trucks that they filled up with bombs and just detonating. And um, and it caused a bit of uh, so trouble. So the American advisors were uh, outgunned, outnumbered, and there was a quick reaction force sent in. Uh, Charles, Keating, Charles Keating was a part of that quick reaction force and... At some point during the fighting, he was uh, shot and killed. So uh, we, I just want to send my condolences out to the Keating family, who has a, a long history of military service uh, with his grandfather serving in World War II and his uh, great-grandfather serving in World War I. And, and this is something that's being discussed all over social media, so I'm sure if, if you follow any military accounts, you'll, you'll see about this. You'll read about this, so... Uh, so Chuck, it's great to have you on, man. How's it going? Yeah, good. Hey, I appreciate you, uh, you having me on, John. Yeah, no problem. So Chuck, uh, we'll, we'll get into a couple of things. Um, so first I just want to start by asking, uh, what led you into joining the army? Can you talk about that? Yeah. Um, actually I was raised an air force brat. So the fact that I joined the army was actually pretty surprising to myself and my whole family. Um, Basically, I grew up in a small town in, in Texas, and I really didn't feel like I was going very far in life, and all my friends were getting in trouble. So one day, I was actually in college at a, at a full scholarship. Um, I just went down to the recruiter and uh, signed up, came home to my parents, and they basically wouldn't talk to me for a week because, A, I wasn't joining the Air Force, and B, I wasn't joining the military as an officer. Um, I was actually a pretty bad kid, so they actually bets on me that I wouldn't pass basic training. Um, so, but I joined and I passed and, you know, now I'm here. Nice. So, uh, upon completing basic, what, what was your specialty in the army? Yeah. So I came in as an, as an infantryman. I chose Hawaii. Um, I spent three years there in the infantry and then, uh, one day the special proof, the special forces recruiter actually came down and I didn't know anything about 
really anything outside the infantry at that point in time. Um, when me and my buddies decided, hey, let's go try it, you know, if nothing else, at least we can say we went to selection. So we ended up going to Special Forces Assessment Selection here at Bragg. From there, uh, came as an E5, uh, passed selection, went back to Hawaii, and then uh, about a year and a half later, showed up to the Special Forces Q course. Nice, nice. Okay, so now over, over a course of several years, you have a few combat deployments. So we'll talk about a few different things before we get into the deployments. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, some of your leadership courses, like kind of what what direction you try and go in and and some of the things that are important to you regarding the entire the military as a whole? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, it's kind of a one of the big things right now as a, as a big picture in the military. But but really, where I am now is the first time I've seen leaders' courses. Just kind of kind of get people indoctrinated back into uh, the way of thinking to where it's it's just not acceptable to do the bare minimum. Um, you know, there's a lot of people you know in, in our community that I think once they have that special forces tab, that that's it. They don't have to do anything else. Uh, that that tab somehow endows them with special powers, but in reality, it's just a piece of cloth. And all that thing means is that you pass the entrance exam. And you had to earn that thing every single day of your life. Um, you know, in the warrior profession that, that we're in across all the services, you know, if you ever think that, hey, I got it or I'm good enough, you're just setting yourself up for failure. And in this profession, you're never good enough. You've never trained hard enough. Um, you can always be better and mitigate that risk in combat. So uh, that's one of the things we're really trying to push. Um, the big physical fitness piece. Um, you know, special forces as a whole, we just change our physical fitness standards across the regiment to where they're higher. And if you can't meet that standard, um, you know, you're pretty much going to get kicked out. Um, so that's kind of what we're, what we're doing with that. And then leadership wise as a whole with our courses, we're kind of trying to revamp it to where the military is actually going in a pretty good direction. I feel with the way they're revamping, uh, the professional military development within at least the non-commissioned officer corps where I run the senior leader course, um, and then at the beginning, when you're when you're younger in CO, you go through the basic leadership course, and then most MOSs go through an advanced leader course, which we don't quite have right now in SF that we're trying to stand up. Um, and then we're creating a, a master leaders course, um, which the Army is creating for. It's, it's what you go to basically before you become an E8 or or a master sergeant. So um, the military is expanding its 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 leadership courses, at least for NCOs, and I think that. That's, that's actually a step in the right direction. Right now, we're, we're trying to figure out how we're, how we're going to do that within special forces and uh, actually make it to where it's applicable. Because most of the students that come through my course right now and in course critiques, the majority of them say that they wish they had the majority of what we teach much earlier in their career. So that's something that we're trying to fix. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So like you're trying to instill those good leadership qualities at a, a younger age versus you know when you kind of get to that you get time served, you know, your rank is a little higher because having that, those leadership skills at a younger age would be more beneficial, especially for guys going into combat and whatnot. Oh yeah. The, the army is really good at teaching you things you need to know way after the fact. And you're like, Oh wow, I wish I would have known this three or four years ago. I've been pretty much doing it wrong for the past three or four years. Um, so we're trying to fix that. It's just really hard because, uh, even special forces, I mean, you, you come in and you're going to be in the, in the qualification course for about two years or more. And if you're a medic, then you're, you're going to be in the course for longer than that. So 
um, you got to kind of find that balance. You know, where, where's the point to what you're teaching too much or, or teaching too little and, and where to actually apply that. So, you know, that's the balancing issue right now. I mean, if we understand, if we stand up an, an advanced leader course, we've just added a couple weeks to the Q course. So that's something that we also got to figure out. Right, right. And from what I understand, the um, Special Forces Q course, the selection course for Green Berets is the longest in the military, right? Uh, that I know of, yeah. I mean, right now, I mean, you can come in off the street or you can come in from any other MOS. Uh, you got to come and you get the Special Forces assessment selection, which is um, three weeks long. And then if you come off the street, if you haven't been in, in another MOS, you got to spend a good amount of time doing the prep courses. Um, and if you make selection, you'll go to all the next phases, which covers everything from small unit tactics to your MOS. For me, I was... I was a special forces weapons sergeant, so I went through the the weapons sergeant course, which um, basically teaches you how to use just about any weapon throughout the world, mortars, um, and then you got to go through survival school. Uh, every Green Beret is required to know a second language, so you got to go through language school and test out of that, um, and then your culmination exercises. So it, it just it's a it's a very long course. Right. Okay. So, Chuck, uh, you have several combat deployments. Um, Recently, DJ Strunts, who runs the social media for North American Rescue, he posted a video. Um, it's it's a video of uh, combat. It was a gunfight in Afghanistan. And in the video, you see a guy come running through um, an opening in, in the mud walls. And, and the medic starts to work on him. Turns out you're the guy in the video. So can you talk about that situation? And and yeah. after the episode, um, on the website for each episode, I have what I call the podcast notes with links for people who want to listen to the episode on iTunes. And if you don't have Apple, you can listen to it on SoundCloud. And in there, I can link the video so people the people listening can actually watch the video if they want to. Yeah, awesome. Um yeah, it was it was real interesting. Um, I invited Tim Kennedy over to uh, come run a PT session for for some of the students. We got a class in session right now, uh, so Tim was nice enough to drop by in the morning. He brought a, a Colton Smith MMA fighter, awesome guy, and DJ Strunch just happened to be there doing the photography. And, and we were talking, and then I just made the mention that you know some of North American's gear had actually saved my life. Um, basically, being strapped to a Skedco had stopped some internal bleeding, um, and there's a video of it. And so I showed it to him, and he asked if uh, you know he could actually post it for to kind of propagate, um, you know, just basically trauma medicine and and basically as a learning tool. Um, so in the video, in, in the part he posted, you see me come around the corner shot, and basically the backstory of that was we went to uh, a place in Afghanistan that was that was a really gnarly place, and we kind of actually overestimated our own abilities on our same made of the enemy there we came in um brought in three chinooks um with about uh 77 personnel and the way in special forces we work um we're always going to be partnered with a with an with indigenous force so our partner was the afghan commandos um and we had very few green berets on the ground in fact in the video you see the only green berets there present are myself and my medic and that, that's his helmet cam footage and the only other American on scene there is a, is a younger EOD guy, um, Army EOD kid, um, specialist. So we, we'd come in that night and uh, cleared all night. And in the morning, right when the sun came up, 
uh, the enemy actually closed to within five to ten meters of our battle positions and started throwing hand grenades over the wall and, and were really lighting us up. So we were just going out trying to push these guys back off our perimeter. Um, the, the fact that the terrain was very maze-like allowed them the freedom of the movement, the freedom of maneuver basically get up on us. And that's something that with air imagery and everything else, it just didn't quite paint the reality of how it was on the ground. So that was a little bit of a surprise to us. Um, so in that video, we'd gone out to push the enemy back and, uh, we had a drone overhead and the operator was telling us that there was an enemy ambush set up a couple hundred meters away. Um, so we were trying to flank that ambush, but in reality, the ambush was right there in front of us. And we turned the corner and Afghan commando got shot, took around through the leg, blew off some fingers and he just dropped and a good majority of the rest of the commandos ran away. So it was basically me and my medic and an EOD guy. And at the time, all the fast movers had moved off station. And the only thing we had overhead was Apaches. Um, so I started working fire, trying to get Apache gunfire at least a little bit off to the south of the target to provide enough cover to go recover this casualty. But it turns out both the Apaches' guns were broken. Um, so right as we're about to go back and retrieve the casualty, the Afghan company commander comes running up this alleyway with six to seven guys that had had, had broke contact. Um, we made the decision to go around this corner and grab this guy without air support because uh, we we thought that the enemy was probably right up right up on this this, this casualty and was probably going to retrieve him. Um, so we ran around the corner. A uh, good gunfight actually ensued. I think DJ Struntz is going to post the other part of the video. Um, I told my medic, I said, "Hey, stay stay in this compound." and be prepared to receive the casualty, and, and I'll be right back with them. Um, not expecting myself to be a casualty, so when we, 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 uh, when we had turned the corner, there, there was two, uh, two enemy personnel pretty much charging our position within 20 meters, so um, we took care of them, and then there was two machine gun positions within 25 meters. Um, we silenced one of them, uh, threw a hand grenade at one point, and it silenced the other one temporarily. Then he started shooting at the company commander, who was off to my left. Um, and I went to engage that, that machine gun position. I, mis, I misjudged exactly where he was shooting from. And I started opening up. He shifted over to me. And I was pretty much standing on top of the casualty. And I was trying to drag him around the corner. He wasn't being very cooperative. Uh, and every time that, that happened, um, we just get lit up. So the machine gun switched over to me. Um, a round hit my right leg, it knocked me forward, and then another round hit right above my right scapula and rode down my back, um, broke apart the artery and the, the nerve complex there, and then uh, one grazed through my right butt cheek, and then I, I fell in a, a little ditch, and the rest of the rounds went around me. And as he was, as he was reloading, I popped up, and in my head I was going to re-engage, but my arm wouldn't work. So there was an Afghan sitting next to me, I think he was a platoon leader, tapped him, said, hey, let's grab this guy and go. And that's in the video you see me coming around the corner right there. And that's the, pretty much the video from there that you see. Right. So after that happened with that specific video, you were medevaced out? Yep. So it took a while, actually. Um, so there's a lot of internal bleeding. The, the video really doesn't do the wound too much justice. There's a lot of internal damage. Um, that's one of the things people really need to be cognizant of in combat is just because it doesn't look so bad on the outside doesn't mean it's not. Um, so 
basically got me back to our one of our battle positions, and we had a, a PJ there, a really squared away guy. Um, and him and a medic worked on me, and they actually the only thing that saved my life was they strapped me to a skedco and they prepared the skedco for hoist, which wrapped me up like a little taco when it was really tight, and that put enough pressure on my back where it actually stopped the bleeding in my artery. Um, because they were going to hoist me out using Pedro assets and country. Um, but we deemed that the firefight was so bad that the helicopter would just get shot down. So they had a fight for about an hour and a half to get me. They had a fight street to street um, to get me to a suitable place to get medevaced out. Um, that took a lot of AC-130 gunfire and, um, and other assets really clearing the way for that. And finally, the medevac bird was able to come in and grab me in the wounded commando and get us out of there. So after you were medevac, uh, you, your team was still on the ground for for what a, a short while later, right? Yeah, they were on the ground for about another twelve hours, um, and they had a really, really, really hellacious firefight. Um, at one point, you know, my old teammate told me that the company commander for the Afghans looked at him and said, "Hey, man, we're going to die here. You know, there's there's no way out of this." Uh, and the only really way they got out is they kind of surprised the Taliban that were surrounding the area. Um, they did what's, you know, what they called the Mogadishu mile, which basically there was a road that went from the south to the north for about 1500 meters. Um, and they, they basically ran out of the buildings, ran down the road, um, throwing hand grenades in on the compounds on the sides that they were taking fire from previously. And then they had AC-130 basically making a court on a fire all the way up the road on each side of the road as they, as, as they came up and, uh, they heard on the radio, after they finished their movement, they actually made the movement without taking any casualties. And I think they killed two or three enemy um, en route. Um, it really surprised the enemy. They couldn't figure out where they went or how they moved so quickly. When, when they had these guys surrounded, um, where did they go? So um, that, was, that was a gamble they took. Uh, it was a prudent risk they took, and you know, it worked out. Hey, so Chuck, uh, you, you've been in the military for, what, 18 years now? Yep, just at 18. Okay, so can you speak about uh, maybe something that happened during your career uh, that stood out to you that you feel like is important and uh, something that the listeners can take away, the audience can take something from this experience? Yeah, well, it'll, it'll actually deal with uh, you know the incident we just talked about with, with getting shot, and uh, it kind of ties into what we talked about at the beginning about that, that warrior mindset, really indoctrinating people into not accepting just the minimum to be able to, Hey, you always got to train hard, be part of something more, um, and be physically and mentally fit at all times. Um, so when I got shot, it's kind of going to sound like I'm too mountain horn, but I'm not. It's just I use it as an example of what you can do with the proper mindset and when you do train hard and you are physically fit. So when I got shot, um, when I got to the operating room, I was basically crashing. I was basically dying because I'd lost so much blood internally. Um, I ended up having to get 11 units of blood. Um, and that still wasn't even enough to get me back to Germany because my blood my uh, blood count was so low. So they gave me some additional blood. They got me there. Um, I had my surgeries. I had to relearn how to use my right arm. I had my last surgery on a Saturday. And I was in the gym working out on a Monday with tubes and whatnot sticking out of me. I actually had uh, our sports psych, our dietitian, and our physical trainer meet me in the hospital room. We, we, we built a plan before I was even out of the hospital. Um, and everybody said that, you know, there's no way Chuck's coming back even within a year, but within two months of me getting shot, I was back in Afghanistan with my team in combat. And within a month of that, I was, I was again, breaking records in the gym. Um, and my name was all over the whiteboard, um, because it's a, it's a mindset thing. And that's, 
I know uh, we were talking earlier before we actually came on the show about guys coming in the proper mindset about, you know, you, you can accomplish possible things as long as you think you can. You, you can conquer the world. Um, for me, I know if I fall, I'm always going to get back up and I'm going to conquer. Um, that was just one of those things with that mindset. Because I was physically fit, because we always trained hard, uh, my body was able to recover extremely, extremely fast. Uh, even surprise all the surgeons, and I could get back in the fight. Um, that's one of the things I, when I get when I get a chance to talk to people, even like young guys come to the Q course, that mindset of uh, I deal in solutions, not with problems, and uh, I try to propagate that mindset. Of, hey, um, it's all about in your head how you think. If if you if you truly believe you're an unstoppable force of nature and life, um, then you will be. And if you want to be that guy that's negative and 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 think, you know, if you think you can't do it or this is dumb and um, this is just pointless what we're doing and that's that's how you're going to be. But if you think, hey, this is I'm going to conquer at all times and I'm going to get back up on the horse and no matter what, you know, I'm always going to I'm always going to win at the end of the day. Um, actually, I was sitting down with a, a friend of mine not too long ago and he actually brought up a pretty good point that I never really thought of. He's like, hey, um, he's like, I've never failed, man. I've I've either conquered or I've learned a valuable lesson. Um, and I always use Thomas Edison's saying, he, he always, one of his things he said was, I haven't, I haven't failed yet. I've just simply found a thousand ways that haven't quite worked yet. But I kind of go deeper into that is, well, failure is okay. And, and if you're not failing, sometimes that means that you're not pushing the envelope because you're going to learn from failure. Um, failing is okay, but being defeated is not. So don't, don't confuse those two. Don't confuse failure with defeat. Um, you, know, you can get back up. Something doesn't work. Um, think about it for a second and re-engage whatever your enemy is from a more advantageous angle um, until you do conquer. So that's one of the biggest things I've learned or from experiences I've learned from, you know, just getting shot there that you can, you can conquer anything. Um, unfortunately, after that um, incident where you saw in the video, I actually got shot the year after that through the hand with the PKM around. And I had that same mindset like, hey, I'm going to go back. I'm going to recover and get back into get back into combat with my team but unfortunately that injury was just a little bit too substantial that didn't quite work but I still stayed on my team for another year um, I passed our required return to duty test within record time and that was all due to mindset um, and just knowing that I was going to conquer and that's something that you know I really try to try to get to the forces just having that mindset um, don't be the negative guy you know thinking solutions not problems right that's a great piece of advice and um so just kind of sum up uh, what you're saying in the realm of mindset. You would like, and, and this is kind of general, you know, anyone you anyone can apply those lessons to life, period, you know, but more specifically for young people joining the military, whether it's the Army, Navy, Air Force, you know, whatever it is you're doing. Uh, like Chuck stated before, you know, you should strive to exceed and, you know, go above and beyond the standards and not just try and do things to just get by, you know. And, you know, and, and like you just stated, when you have that mindset that you can do anything, you that's how anyone who's accomplished anything in life had that same mentality that, you know, you, yep. you can do this. And, uh, and, and that's how people are able to achieve and, you know, break boundaries and... And things like that. So that's a great piece of advice. And I hope that, like I said, the younger generation of Americans who are going to join the military can take away from that and uh, understand that, you know, that's an important lesson to learn. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, guys need to come in, you know, knowing that at the end of the day, the military exists to fight and win wars. And uh, when you're in combat, you've always got that, that factor of chance, and you've got to mitigate that as much as possible. And the only way to do that is, is to actually be the best. Not just say you're the best, but actually work hard to be the best. And the only way to be the best is through hard work, suffering, you know, perseverance, dedication. Um, and that's it. There's no, there's no shortcut to that. Right, right. Like the only way to reach the top of the mountain is to climb, you know, so. That's it. And then when you get up there in our job, you know, there's always a next summit to peak. Cause you, you're never good enough in the warfighter. Um, the warfighter business is everything's perishable. So you got to just keep constantly training and keep getting better and better. All. Hey, guys. So with that, uh, I'm going to close out the episode. Uh, if you want to if you have any questions for Chuck, you can send him an email at charles.p.ritter at gmail.com. Once again, that's charles.p.ritter at gmail.com. The email address will also be listed on the podcast notes on my website uh, once the episode goes live. Um, you can check out Mike Glover's website at fieldcraftsurvival.com, his Facebook at Fieldcraft LLC. He has two Instagram accounts. One is Soft Survivor. The other one is Fieldcraft Survival. And he has he also has a Twitter account, which is IG Soft Survivor. My website is globalrecon.net. My Facebook is FB Recon. My I have two Instagram accounts as well. My first account is IG Recon. My second account is Global Recon underscore Inc. And my Twitter account is IG Recon. So if you have any questions about anything you've heard on the show or any questions in general, you can send an email to podcast at globalrecon.net and either myself or Mike can give you a response. So as always, um, I encourage you guys to subscribe, to download on iTunes and uh, leave us ratings to continue to uh, have the show in the, the top rankings on the government and national categories on iTunes. And with that, it'll enable us to uh, give you guys good content. Uh, for the next couple of days, I will be in Colorado Springs. Uh, so anyone out in Colorado, uh, you guys want to hang out or we'll be doing some filming with uh, Ronin Tactics and uh, Fieldcraft, uh, just hit me up on social media or shoot me an email. Um, so we'll see you guys in a couple of days with another episode. Chuck, I just want to thank you for coming on. I appreciate you taking out the time uh, to do the podcast with me. No, thank you. Appreciate the uh, yep. opportunity. Yeah, no problem, man. So see you guys in a couple of days. Peace. Yeah.